Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed. If you love prospects, you came to the right place, as that's what this show is all about. Covering all levels of the minors to help give you an advantage in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, dynasty and prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 22 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered, of course, by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another great episode in store for you today. And with me, as always, from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's up, bud? How'd you shoot today at disc golf? Oh, not good, man. The local local course by my house that we played is just totally wooded and ridiculously long, and I never played great there, so... <laughs> Rough day, but it was fun. It was a nice day, so I always enjoy getting out in the nice weather. Spring is almost here, and that means baseball is almost here as well. Very excited. Damn straight. Yeah, I hate those courses. There's one, the nearest course to me up here in Maine is the same way. There's two different courses. Uh, one's called the Beauty, the other called the Beast, and but they're both wooded as you bleep. So I know, I don't, I'm don't. i not a big fan of that course anyway, but there's a bunch more in the area I go to, but Hey, it's always good to get out and play some disc golf, though. Me and my kids, it was, it's been in the mid to upper 50s. I think it actually touched 60 degrees here in Maine today. So I took my kids on a hike up a, I'm using air quotes, mountain. It's called a mountain, but it's really a glorified hill. But, you know, there's different trails up. You know, there's a two, we took the one and a half mile trail, which is just a gradual incline because, you know, my, I have a five-year-old, so uh, eight, eight and five-year-old, so I didn't want to do anything too, too steep on them, but just fun to get out and yes baseball is coming as when recording this baseball opening day is in what 10 or 11 days so very very exciting let's do the usual housekeeping here before we get into the show you can find us on twitter chris is at roto clegg i'm at eric cross zero four and our show is at fantrax toolshed please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review on itunes or on your preferred podcasting platform those ratings and reviews mean a lot and please check out our new Patreon. We offer a ton of good stuff there, including extra written content from both of us, additional rankings, in-depth team and trade analysis, extra Patreon-exclusive podcasts, and much more. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash toolshed. And for those of you that have not drafted yet, I know a lot of you wait until late, go check out the draft kit over at fantraxhq.com. A lot of great stuff there. And for Chris and I, lately we've been pumping out a ton of of prospect in dynasty positional rankings. I believe both of us have put out four. I think Chris put out five as he put out one today as well on Sunday. We put out like four and five articles each over the last 
uh, week since you last heard this podcast. I've been pumping through Dynasty positional rankings, Chris through OBP prospect rankings. And then once we get done with each of these, we're flip-flopping. He's going to Dynasty OBP rankings, and I'll go into my uh, prospect positional rankings. So a lot of great stuff here as we inch closer and closer to opening day. And make sure you check out all the other great podcasts on the network, including Five Tool, SP Streamer, Triple Play, On Campus, Kick Around, Fantasy Hockey Life, and IDP. All right, Chris, this is going to be a fun episode. We are going to do each of the next two weeks be a bold prediction, hot take, whatever vernacular you want to use episodes here. This week is going to be focused on MLB players, more sort of dynasty projections or predictions, hot takes. And next week we'll do one on strictly prospects. And we have no idea what the other one has. We didn't put them down on our outline that we have. So these are all going to be fresh to the other one maybe some, some surprises here who knows we'll go back and forth do some pitchers here take the break and then come up back from with some hitters so chris what is your first bold prediction so my first one is that sandy alcantara takes a big step forward he is going to be a top 20 dynasty pitcher come this time next year he was already he's already established himself well as an innings eater. We know that. He eats up innings, he goes deep in starts. It's extremely valuable these days. He kind of broke out last season. I mean, he had a 3-0 ERA, looked really good over just 42 innings, obviously. But the stuff was great. He's well established. He's young. Last year, I mean, in six of his seven starts, he went six plus innings, and he went seven plus eleven times in 2019. So already like the depth of the starts that he goes this spring he's been dominant he's got the fastball up to 98 miles an hour which is a huge step forward he gets a lot of weak contact on it gets a lot of ground balls but he also has strikeout stuff as well like his strikeout numbers won't wow you but man he just gets the job done and this spring he's talked about using the four seamer more he's talked about how he had to use it more he says his best pitch uh, last year, the swinging strike rate on that pitch was over 14%, which is basically like Max Scherzer range, which is really good. So if he uses that pitch more, man, he could really take off. And so, so far this spring, 19 strikeouts and in 12 innings. He's looked really good. He's uh, had nine in the last, he had a five, sorry, five inning outing last time and struck out uh, nine guys. So like the direction he's trending and so Alcantara is going to be a big breakout for me. I'm trying to go get him everywhere at this point. And I think that he could be in for a huge season. He's still young enough. He's a good dynasty asset. So go go get him. I think you can get him fairly cheap right now. And I think that he's in for a big season. Yeah, Sandy's been pumping gas this spring. Just like sitting upper 90s consistently. So that's a, that's a, that's a good one. I like what Miami is doing down there. They get a lot of pitching talent. And Alcantara, you know, along with Sixto, Definitely one of the more exciting ones here. I'm going to do one that's kind of going the other way. And if people know me, this one shouldn't be a surprise the most. My first here on the pitching side of things is that Tyler Glasnow will not be a top 40 dynasty pitcher by this time next year. I will say it until I'm blue in the face. Tyler Glasnow is a closer masquerading as a starting pitcher. He is not... Bill, like what he brings to the table 
is not what you look at for a long-term like ace starter, but yet he continuously is drafted like a borderline ace for in fantasy or a high-end SP2. I get it. The, the strikeouts are sexy, right? The strikeout rate is always ridiculously high with him, and last year it was the highest of his career at, let's see here, it was 38.2%, obviously shortened season, but he's always been kind of above that 30% range, which is kind of that benchmark for elite in terms in my eyes here. But here's the, here's the thing. Glasnow has pitched over 100 innings once. And that was in 2018, where he had a grand total of 111 and two-thirds innings. He has one season with an ERA under four. His second best ERA in a single season was last year at 4.08. So... Listen, like I said, strikeouts are great. Those are great. Those always give him value. And I'm not saying he's going to be terrible, but he's not someone I want to build my dynasty rotation around. He's just not. If I can get him as my SP3 with that, you know, the strikeouts, great. But until I see like every year, it's like, oh, he's working on this pitch in spring training, and then it will disappear or he'll throw it 3% of the time. The changeup has never come along. Maybe it's even gotten worse. Like the usage on it has gone down every year. Last year, he used to change up 4.7% of the time. So when you're throwing two pitches 95 plus percent of the time, that's easy to pick up on as a hitter. You don't have to, you don't have to game plan for two pitches. It's not that hard. Even when you know, the curveball, obviously, is a great pitch, one of the best curveballs in baseball. But like if your fastball's off or haven't been that curveball's off, any of those two are off, it's going to be a long day for you if you only really got one pitch to rely on. And last year, that fastball was, yeah, it's meh. It was okay. It, it was like above average, but you need that fastball to be elite along with that curveball. The curveball had a you know 100 XBA, 162 XWOBA, you know, 52.8% whiff rate, 36% put away rate. It's elite, but until I see a third pitch and a serviceable for a third pitch that he throws at least like 10% of the time, and his the ability to actually go 30 starts, 150-plus innings, which he's yet to even come close to doing, then I might buy back in. But I don't see that happening, and I think he's going to slide down rankings a good amount this year. What's your next one, Chris? Yeah, well, this was my third one. But I'm going to go ahead and do it now because Tyler Glasnow is going to be a top-10 dynasty arm. <laughs> he is working on these new pitches, and it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to stick. It's going to work. Tyler Glass now is breaking out this year. It's happening. It. He was love it. It was my third one written down, but I'm going to do it now because it fit perfectly. His slider is filthy. He's featuring it some this spring. The results have been eh, mediocre, but you mentioned the strikeouts. He's try he struck out 17 guys in in nine innings. The strikeouts are there. He is who he is. Like I think we know that he's not going to have a low whip. I mean, he walks guys, but. He just gets the job done. He's going to get the job done this year. I'm telling you, it's coming. He's going to pitch 25 starts at least. The new pitch is going to push him over the edge. I just want him to develop the changeup. The changeup is going to hold him back, but if he could develop the changeup and it'd be good, I really, really think it could take off. But that back, he's throwing these sliders against lefties, just like to the back foot, just absolutely disgusting. So, in my opinion, I think he takes a step forward. I think his value is pretty cheap right now. Like you can get him at a reasonable price. 
And so I'm acquiring him if he's cheap enough because I think he's worth it. I think that he's going to really break out this year. You're going to see around a low threes ERA. You're going to get a filthy strikeout rate. The whip won't be as desirable as you want, but it's not going to kill you. I mean, you know, last year he had a one point one three whip, which is you know not bad at all. You can take that. But if he keeps the walks down, then shoot, I think that he can be uh, definitely SP two. So that is my prediction. The strikeouts have taken a step forward every year. If he can improve the walk rate just a hair, I think he's a borderline SP one, especially if that slider sticks. We'll see. It's a big question mark if that pitch will stick, as you mentioned. But if it does, then watch out. I think he's going to really take off. I need to ask you a question, though. Like this is a legit question. Did did you take a disc to the head today or something? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I hit a few <laughs> trees. Hit a few trees though. <laughs> a few too many tree hits there uh, for Chris today. That, that's funny that we uh, we differed on that right off the bat. That we had you have him going up, I have him going down. <laughs> we'll see. And but for anybody that we get a lot of these people like, oh, Chris and Eric, they agree all the time. And whenever we do disagree, it's like, oh my god, I'm I'm, I'm marking this down, put it on the calendar. You know, Clay can cross disagreed. <laughs> Listen to this. Snip this, you know, little audio part right here. Listen to it over and over again. We do disagree, not too often, but I think we definitely disagree a lot here. But for my second one, and this it'll be funny too, because with Glasnow, it's probably gonna be one of those two things, right? It's he's so talented, you know. If those things, I know a lot of ifs there. Those things happen. He definitely could. Like I'm not saying that is totally out of the realm possibility, but I just. I'm going to like believe it when I see it camp with Tyra glass. Now he just, it's like fool's gold almost, but we'll see. It's, yeah. it's going to be interesting season for glass. I think it's gonna be a big season for glass now one way or the other. Yep. Without a question. My next one here is more positive. You know, my first one, I try to do a little bit of positivity, a little bit of negativity, kind of mix them up. And I think and I'm in the middle of writing an article about this too. So this little sneak peek. I think that, one of the Milwaukee arms will be a fantasy first round pick next year and move up into the top 25 overall in dynasty rankings. It could be Brandon Woodruff. It could be Corbin Burns. I love them both. If I had to pick one here, I'm going to go with Corbin Burns because he kind of checks off what you're looking for in, in a starter, right? He has the arsenal. He's proven that. You know, with all of those, the spin rates he gets that are all elite. Like the sinker was actually one of his worst pitches. But besides that, like the cutter was absolutely filthy. Had a one, uh, was it 266 X Woba on the cutter, 32.9% whiff rate. On his slider, he had a 153 X Woba, 60.3% whiff rate, which is ridiculous. The changeup, 175 X Woba, 44.2% whiff rate. And his curveball, 47.1% whiff rate, 103 X Woba, four seamer had a 55.6% whiff rate, which is ridiculous for a four seam fastball. So all those pitches he had, was it one, two, three, four, five pitches with a put away rate above 20%. He's the type of arm I look for that, you know, like the opposing hitter has to game plan for all these pitches. Like on lefties, he, they have to, he will throw, Mostly sinkers, cutters, sliders, mixing a little bit of curveball there. So that's four pitches against lefties, sinker, cutter, changeup, and curveball. And the fastball is actually going to use 2.5% of the time. But so each side of the plate has to 
gear up for four different pitches, and they're all freaking filthy. Outside the sinker is like mediocre, but the other you know four or five pitches in his arsenal are all filthy. They all get the spin rates. You know, Cutter had a twenty nine nineteen spin slider, twenty nine oh nine curve was twenty nine sixty three four seamer twenty six sixty nine. He's just the strikeout upside with him is ridiculous. He's almost kind of reminds me of. Glasnow, if Glasnow added three pitches, you know, it's like they kind of have like the, the walk rate isn't, you know, great. I think what was Burns' walk rate last year, uh, uh, even 10% last year, but they have 36.7% strikeout rate. As long as he can keep that walk rate at 10% or less, you know, in previous years, he was 7.2 and 8.5% smaller sample sizes. But I think if he can keep that walk rate in that 8 to 10% range, strikeouts will be elite. Is he going to have the same kind of ERA that he had last year. No, like, I, I don't think anyone's expecting him to have that super low ERA, but I think, you know, high twos, low threes with his stuff is very, very attainable, solid whip, the elite strikeouts. I think it's all there. Like, I don't think we're done seeing this Burns breakout. I think he started it in 2020 and it's going to continue in 2021. So I think he's going to be a top five dynasty pitcher at this time next year. What's your next one, Chris? I like that. I'm I'm really kind of hoping not because I traded him for Bueller in our 30 team league. Him plus that's, that's good though. Bueller's good. Like, Bueller's no yeah. slouch. <laughs> yeah, but you know it doesn't look as good when I move. If 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 Burns come becomes what Bueller is, and it's like whatever, it's a wash. Was that straight up or no? I had I got Bueller and Real Muto for Burns plus. God, I have to go back and look. I have no clue. Um, I'll so you, you, get, you got a top five pitcher and then the number one catcher. That's true. Right, right now. So I can't Wasn't imagine bad. too bad for you. Yeah. I am going to say that Zach Polisak is not really going to be a thing as much next year. We have bumped him up significantly. Cover your and... ears, Dave McDonald, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dave. <laughs> I don't see a reason why we're drafting him this high. And I get it. Like he had a little breakout last year. It was a great season. I mean, pitched 55 innings. He, he pitches deep into games, which is the positive with him. He had 2.28 ERA, 0.8 whip. I mean, it was very solid season. But the dude overperformed like crazy. I mean, he's never been a big strikeout guy. He posted a near 28% strikeout rate last year. But when you look a little deeper and like, this isn't picking a little bit, but this is the reality. He had six strikeouts last year on pitches that were called strikeouts outside of the zone. So you go on Savant, you can do a search, six pitches out of the zone that were called strikeouts. And then when you look at 3-2 counts, he significantly overperformed his strikeouts. He probably had about 13 to 15 strikeouts that really I would say he overperformed by. So when you take out the numbers and when you look at this, it drops his strikeout rate into the low 20s. And I just don't think it's that good. Sure, the command's really good. His walk rate was 3% last year. That's really good. But the dude's just kind of a bonehead. I mean, you look what he did last year. Got suspended from the team for a little bit. You know, it was kind of a tool about it. He's not a likable guy at all. And so, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. He's kind of struggled a little bit this spring. Don't put a lot of stock in the spring training stats. But it is kind of noticeable, like, when we see this. And I really wouldn't be surprised to see him take a step back but everyone seems to be all in on him. Uh, I'm not sure why we're drafting him as high as we are, but that means his dynasty value is high. I mean, he's only he just turned 26 years old. You can sell him. You can get something for him. Uh, 
I would move him all day. I, I don't even think we consider him a top 100 dynasty asset after this year. And I don't know where you where you value him right now. Like people value dynasty a little different, but based on his redraft status, shoot, I would sell all day, cash in on the strong season, and get some money and run with it, man. Uh, I'm completely out on police acting. If I, I I don't have no shares, I never had had any shares, but if I did, I'd sell them right now. Yeah, I mostly agree with that. I'm not fully out the door on Plezak, but I'm kind of like one foot out the door. Where I th- I think he's decent. I think there's definitely something to last year a little bit, but not as high as he's being drafted this year. So I definitely agree that right now is a good time to sell high on Zach Plezak and Dynasty Leagues because I think this is probably the highest you'll see his value. And I'm going to go down to the Houston Astros from Burr Valdez, who is making a miraculous recovery from his broken finger, is probably still going to pitch this year, probably at least half the season. I think that's enough for everyone to see that he's not as good as he's, he was being drafted before the injury. So I'm going to make this one's really bold, okay? This might be too bold, but hey, it's full prediction. So, you know, go big or go home, right? So my Frambro Valdez dynasty prediction is that he will not be a top 75 dynasty pitcher. Yeah, Chris just raised his eyebrows with that one at this time next year. Again, that might be bold. I wanted to say top 50, but right now he's only like, yeah, what, 34 to 40 range? I'm like, that's not bold enough. Let's go deeper. And basically with Valdez, he's a curveball and nothing else. You know, like, yeah, the sinker and the curveball kind of tunnel well. I get that. But the sinker wasn't great this year. Had a 375 X Woba, you know, 12.5% whiff rate, 485 X slug. Wasn't, you know, wasn't a good pitch. You know, hitters hit 326 off of it, and the XBA was 304. So that wasn't fluky, that 326 average. The curveball was absolutely filthy. Like, kind of the same thing with Glasnow. The curveball is elite. There's no doubting that. 194 X Woba, 212 X Slug, 41.9% whiff rate, 37% put away rate, but that's it. You know, he also he throws a changeup, which is meh at best. You know, it's a 509 X Slug, 360 X Woba. That's you know, he only throws it 9.7% of the time. Only throws a four seam or two percent of the time. So I'm, I'm not even counting that as a pitch. That's not even worth talking about. He only threw it 21 times total last year. But so he's basically a two and a half pitch guy where two of those pitches or maybe the one and a half because the changeup's a half one and a half of those are meh you know yeah and he kind of you know people said he throws two different variations of the curveball but yeah that's all fine and dandy but you know that doesn't really do much for me it yeah it's great but does that help the sinker no does it help the changeup no so i just think he's going to be he'll probably give you some solid strikeouts but he kind of runs like a Poor man's Gio Gonzalez. Gonna be like the strikeouts will be there, but I think the ratios are not. I don't think he's gonna go, you know, Robbie Ray, Matt Boyd route. But you know, I think he, he's not gonna have a very good year. But maybe an ERA over five again might be a little too bold. But I'm just not in on Valdez. You'll see a trend with me in my pitcher analysis. I just I don't like these two pitch guys. And yeah, he throws his third pitch a little more than Glasnow, about double the, you know the usage. But still, nine point seven percent and a not even that good changeup. It's not like it's a great changeup. It's a meh changeup. It's a slightly below average changeup, I'd say. So I just don't see enough there for long term success 
to be, you know, have him valued as like a top 30 or so dynasty arm. So I think he's going to shoot down rankings and be outside my top 75 dynasty arms by this time next year. Let's think in one more pitcher one here each before the break. Chris, what's your next pitcher one? Yep. So I'm going to head down here south to my Atlanta Braves and say that Ian Anderson will be valued where we value Zach Gallon now this time ooh, next year. Ooh, I like Anderson this. is filthy. And I think it's easy to see a lot of regression. I think that everyone says, well, regression's coming. You know, he came up, he dominated last year. He he debuted in New York, just outduels Garrett Cole. His regular season was was filthy in 32 innings, had a 195 ERA. He struck out 30% of hitters. And then he did nothing in the postseason but improve. I mean, 18 postseason innings against good lineups at that. I mean, we watched him pitch against uh, – Miami against Cincinnati against Los Angeles, and he was dominant in 18 innings, 0.96 ERA. The strikeout rate was over 31%. And the walks are slightly concerning, but I can live with a 10% walk rate with Anderson. No problem with that. The changeup might be one of the better changeups in baseball. I really think that you you watch Luis Castillo's changeup, like Anderson's changeup is borderline there. You watch his fastball and how well he tunnels them. The release points are identical, identical release points. The pitches are at identical spots until probably about 10 feet away from the plate, and the changeup just dives off. It's it's nasty. You can watch it. Uh, Pitching Ninja tweeted it out the other day, and it's just a, a work of art. And somebody asked me the other day, are you concerned about Ian Anderson's spring? Am I concerned that he just pitched four innings and struck out nine guys? No, absolutely not. I'm not. You should be very concerned, Chris. Very concerned with that. <laughs> it, it's been a common question. Are you concerned about blank this spring? Are you no, concerned about I, Marco Luciano, who has never – only has, what, 38 or so plate appearances above rookie ball, struggling in spring training against more advanced competition? No, I'm sorry. I'm not. Nope, sorry. <laughs> that's not that's not with you, it, it's, it's the overreaction time of year for sure. Yep. Not concerned with any of these. Anyway, Anderson, he was roughed up in one start. He allowed three earned runs in three innings against the Red Sox in the second start. It's spring training. It's whatever. He was dominant last time out against the Twins, struck out nine, four innings. He What, what he does extremely well, one, the strikeout stuff, and two, he limits hard contact. He doesn't allow barrels. He, man, I just think he's got it all, honestly. And he's got a great three-pitch mix, the fastball, the changeup and the curve. And I'm telling you, the changeup's just that good. I really think he can take the next step forward and be elite. I mean, we already saw it. He's just got to follow up with it. And I think he does that this year. I, the innings are probably the biggest concern, but I think if he throws 160 innings, I think he's going to post 200 strikeouts. Like he's got those kind of numbers where he can do that. And you watch, if you've watched him this spring and the over analytical mechanical people are like, well, his torso drops going to get him in trouble. He's pitched that way his whole life, and he's been fine. I'm I'm not concerned about him, his torso drop. I'm not concerned about him slightly falling off towards first base. A ton of pitchers fall off to first base and are fine. That's a common thing. Like all the reasons that I've read that people are like out on Ian Anderson, I can't find a reason to be out on him. I only have a reason to buy in, and I think that he's he's going to be really really good this year. And I'm buying that he's going to take the next step forward and be a thing like easy SP two in my books. I really wish that I had screenshotted Chris's face when he was talking about Anderson's changeup. It was great. It was just pure bliss and happiness 
and sunshine and rainbows. It was <laughs> seeing a Braves <laughs> fan talking about, you know, basically their future ace or one of them with, with Max Fried and Soroka. Talk about, you know, a 70 grade offering. That was that was fun. I should have I started laughing. <laughs> I don't know if people picked up on that, but I should have been screen hitting the screenshot button on my computer here. But you know, I lo- I like Anderson a lot too. I've always liked him, and even more so now that his you know command is kind of ticked up. That was the one thing holding him back in my mind, and that's turned it up. It's not great, like he's not Bieber, obviously, but I, I like that. I think Anderson should be very very good. And my last pitcher prediction here, I'm going out west to the Dodgers, and I I could have. You know, worded this five thousand different ways. I'm gonna settle on this. But this time next year, Tony Gonsolin will be higher in my dynasty rankings than Julio Urias, and you know that's more so. Yeah, I guess it's a little bit positive for Gonsolin and a little negative on Urias, but more so a positive on Gonsolin. You know, I like Gonsolin's arsenal. You know, his splitter is absolutely filthy. Those two different breaking balls, more so the slider. Um, which is above average pitch for him as well. You know, fastball, he throws about half the time. So I think he's got, you know, the curveball, he says it's only a 6% usage rate. So, but he's still got a 37.5% whiff rate on that. The slider had a 46.5% whiff rate, splitter 41.7% whiff rate, all had an XBA under 260, you know, all had X Wobas. Um, outside of the curveball, he had three pitches with X Woba of 300 or below. Slider had a 192 X Woba. Doesn't allow hard contact at all. You know, he is, it's not like he's a elite in that territory, but he doesn't get hit as hard as most. You know, fastball velocity was 82nd percentile. Spin was 92nd percentile. Doesn't walk many batters at all. Avoids the barrel well. Just a lot to like here. But obviously the one thing that you don't really like about Tony Gonsolin right now is the role, right? But at the same time, even if he doesn't start the year in the pen, and this goes for Dustin May too. And I've been scooping up a lot of shares of both these guys and drafts over the last couple of weeks because they're just falling so far, but they're still going to pitch meaningful innings this year. Yeah. It might not be 160, but I don't think many of the Dodgers will go that high for the most part, but they're still going to get, I'd say 80 plus for both of them, maybe over a hundred. There's, there's a pretty pitch two, three innings here, two, three innings there a couple times a week. They'll get up there, and I think they're going to be very good innings. I'm higher on Gonsolin than May because of the strikeout rate right now, but I think Gonsolin is going to only pitch maybe 20 to 30 less innings than Urias does this year, and I think he's just going to be better. I think he's going to have you know similar ratios and a better K rate, and that's something with Urias too, where he's never really had the big whiff numbers, the big case, you know, big strikeout numbers, so. I think that Gonsolin is going to overtake him uh, pretty soon here in dynasty rankings. May could too if the K rate ticks up, but we'll see. You know, it's kind of like the same thing with Urias. You know, I want to see them miss more bats. May, I think he can if he starts using that curveball a little more. And we'll see. He's been looking, you know, decent enough here in spring training. Um, but we'll see on that one. But more so, Gonsolin, I think, is going to rise up rankings a good amount here and be higher than Julio Urias at this time next year. Let's go ahead and take a break here. We'll come back on the other side and give you plenty of hitter predictions, so don't go anywhere. 
Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. All right, welcome back from the break. Talking bold predictions here for Dynasty Leagues and went through all of the pitchers so far that we had on our list. And we got a ton of hitters here that we want to get out there. So, Chris, who is your first hitter prediction about? <laughs> I think this was where we might cross over on one. And it's uh, something that I've kind of said for a while now, but the Gavin Lux will be this year's Kyle Tucker. <laughs> yes, yeah, we did. Absolutely did. I figure we'd cross on this one because we both kind of hyped him. I've been saying it for a while. And, you know, last year before the season, I told everyone to buy Kyle Tucker. It's like a classic case of prospect fatigue where a guy comes up, he loses prospect eligibility. He doesn't perform right off the bat because the team doesn't give him chances. And he just kind of falls in value. And Tucker's value probably fell a lot more than Lux's did, in my opinion, which is weird because. Tucker was coming off a season where he had like 39 home runs and 34 stolen bases. But anyway, with Lux, you know what you have. I mean, we watched him just absolutely dominate the minor leagues. And sure, he struggled at the major league level, but that's normal. Not everybody is Ronald Acuna or Fernando Tatis or Juan Soto. Like, people come up and struggle. It's just the nature of the game. It definitely hasn't been pretty for Lux at all. I mean, he's got a career 210 average over 138 at-bats. Not ideal by any means, but it is what it is. He was dominant in the minor leagues. You saw what he did in 2019. I mean, he just absolutely tore it up, even in 2018 when the breakout began. I mean, before he got called up in 2019 in 113 games, Lux hit 26 home runs and stole 10 bags with a 347 batting average between double and triple A. The talent level's there, and he's he's got it. And the reports out of the alternate site and fall instructs were that Lux just absolutely killed it. Well, I will say more instructs. He came into the alternate site a little out of shape. He was struggling with his arm. Like just, he was meant like a mental head case. Like he couldn't make throws from second to first. Like he was, he was dealing with things and it really affected him. I think it affected his overall performance this year, but apparently just absolutely tore up fall instructs. Like, said one of the best hitters there was in the instructional league. His teammates absolutely raved about him and said, like, the dude's a special talent. Like, he's more than ready, and I think this is going to be the year. I'm going to say this is the year where Lux finally claims that spot as his own. He takes second base and runs with it, and you're going to wish that you had traded for him. You wish that you had ball low because it's going to happen. I mean, he's dominating the, in spring training right now, it's ready to happen. I mean, he's hitting, he's slashing 387, 424, 484 right now. Hadn't hit a home run yet, but I'm just more impressed by the fact that the contact's still there. He's hitting the ball extremely well. And even without a home run this spring, he's got a 908 OPS. These are the spring training stats that matter to me. A lot of them don't, but when I see this out of Gavin Lux, who I'm hearing about, ready to buy into the breakout, like this matters. And I really believe that Lux is fixing to take off. He could be a fantasy first rounder. Go buy him. 
Man, bravo. I, I agree with that. And on my sheet here, my notes, I wrote, Gavin Lux overtakes Albies as top dynasty second baseman. And then in parentheses, if given the at-bats, because that's obviously the, the X factor to this prediction here. But I'm 100% with you. I think we, we've both been like, hey, go get Gavin Lux, prospect fatigue, whatever. Everything is setting in on Gavin Lux. He's at that ideal scenario to buy low. And because the tools are still there and that hit tool, especially with the power and a little bit of speed that he can bring. I really think he's going to be a top 25 bouncy asset next year too. So definitely love that one. I'm going to start with a little bit of a more negative one here on a guy that I used to be higher on, but the more I dig into this player, the more I drop him down my rankings. So my first hitter dynasty prediction is that Kevin Biggio will be well outside a top 100 dynasty asset you know, this time next year. That's what I'm kind of basing mine off of at this time next year for the most part. So with Biggio, you, if you go to his Savant page, like nothing outside of the walk rate and, you know, the, the whiff, you know, walk rate's a 92nd percentile and which was what was 15.5%. It was 16.5% in his debut in 2019. The whiff rate is usually pretty solid. That was 67th percentile and a 72nd percentile sprint speed. Outside of that, blue balls. And as we all know, blue balls are not good in any way you want to reference them, especially on Savant. And, you know, with the you know alleged deadened ball that MLB is putting into play this year, though it hasn't really seemed to be less juicy in spring training, but we'll see. And we'll see what happens come when opening day rolls around here. But the ones I expect to be hurt by this the most are the guys that have the lower hard hit rates, lower, you know, exit velocities and the ones that are hitting like the most, you know, if you look at Savant, the doubter home runs, right? So let's look at Biggio here in 2019. He had 16 home runs. 10 of those are doubters. And in 2020, eight home runs, five of those were doubters. Only one was a no doubter. So that means that 15 of his 24, career home run so a touch over 60 percent have been doubters and you even look at it gives you the expected home run by park breakdown right below it so of the eight home runs he hit some other parks he would have had eight too but like you look at in arizona he would have had two in colorado he would have had one which is ridiculous in colorado he would have had one in wrigley field he would have had three uh petco san diego four minnesota detroit kansas city's two uh the other two were four it says there's only a few parks where he would have matched what he had last year. And I said, it's never been, it's always that launch angle too. Like I always kind of feel a little cautious with these guys that rely on the big launch angle, which is what he's done. Like his launch angle was 20.1 degrees in 2019, 16.7 degrees last year. Average exit velocity is below league average. You know, even, even his, you know, XBA's, you know, 229 for his career. Yeah, that walk rate, obviously, so he's got more value in OBP leagues. So he'll probably still be, even if this prediction comes true, a borderline top 100 guy there. But in average leagues, I think he's going to be in that 130 to 150 range. He also looks like he's going to be moved down the order as well. Uh, He's been batting 6th and 7th a lot lately. Go check out Mike Curlin's spring training lineup tracker thing, the the Google Doc he has. Uh, you can find it on his Twitter page at Mike underscore Curlin. Does a great job there. But it looks like with the additions of Springer and Semyon that Biggio is going to hit lower in the order, bottom third, likely seventh, 
and that's going to kill or not kill, but decrease obviously his run score total, his plate appearances. So there'll be less opportunity for him to steal bases. So I think you're going to see a de decrease in runs in home runs this year and steals to the point where he falls well outside top 100 dynasty league asset. Um, I know I like Biggio, you know, when he's coming up and it was fun watching him and Vladdy and Bo and Lourdes come up through double A all at the same time. That was fun, but he's definitely the one I'm lowest on out of the four. And I think he's going to take a nosedive in terms of value this year. Chris, what is your next one? All right. And this one really pains me because I love the guy. He was really good in college, really good in the minors, but that's, the Keston here is really just going to take a plummet this year. And I haven't wanted to say that and I haven't said it. I've been pushing for Hira all off season. Cause I really thought that he could pick it up and I watched him in college. I mean, contact skills, incredible, good power. And you watch him in the minors, one of the best contact hitters there was. And then he struggled. I mean, he came up and was dominant in his first stint in 2019. I mean, killed it. 19 home runs, nine stolen bases, 303 average in 348 plate appearances. He looked really good. And then last year we know it caught up to him. He struggled. He struck out a ton. The The average dropped to 212. And I said, well, I chalked up to COVID. There was a lot of other things he was dealing with. There's no in-game video. We don't know how all these guys were affected. 2020 was a weird season. And so I chalked it up. I said, I'll be back in on Hero. Hero will be fine. And you just watched him this spring, and it's just it's just dreadful. I don't know what he's dealing with, but he looks lost. Just you watch him swing the bat half-heartedly, just just not good. I mean, right so far this spring, he struck out 13 times in 30 plate appearances, walked just once, and has a 172 average, 545 OPS. I'm genuinely afraid that something's just really wrong, and I don't I don't know what, but he doesn't doesn't have it, and it's hard for me to say that because I've watched him for years have it. Like he was that good in college. He was, he was said to have the best pure hitter in the minor leagues at one point. And so it's tough, but I do think Hira takes a little plummet this year. And maybe maybe he picks it back up at some point. I hope he does. Like He's a special talent. He's still young. I mean, he's only 24 years old. So there's a chance he gets through this. But right now, it's not looking pretty. And I think that he definitely falls out of the top 100, like Biggio for, for Dynasty List. And so, unfortunately, I hate to say that, but that's my kind of negative one is that hero will drop out of the top 100. And I think I'm with you on that one. And it sucks because I kind of, I'm in that same mindset as you. Like I loved watching here to come up through college and the minors. And it's kind of funny. The transformation that here has had, I was just talking about this the other day too, where it's like in the minors, he was like more of a high contact, you know, so okay. Power. Like I, th I think a lot of he was more like 55 or 60 hit and 50 power. And then the majors, like immediately it flip flopped, right? Like he had that great breakout, you know, in his rookie season, but he's more like 50 hit, maybe even below. I don't know. He might even be below 50, you know, like fringe average, like 45 maybe. Then he's whiffing the spring too. So I, I hate to see it as I like Curia. You know, I led that free Curia movement back in 2019, whenever it was when he came up. So, yeah, I hate to say it, but I think I agree with you on that one, unfortunately. I, I know Mike Curlin does. He's been <laughs> pumping Kyria going down for a while now, so I'm sure if he's listening, he agrees with that as well. My next one here is going to be – I almost want to do a combo piece here. So it's kind of the same prediction. I guess I will. That Mitch Haniger and Clint Frazier will both be top 100 dynasty assets by the end of the year. So, 
Frazier's the easier one, right? Because he's younger. You know, well, I'll start with Hanniger. Hanniger just turned 30 a few months ago back in December. So he's a little bit older. But I think there's a path where he's for at least for a couple of years that people tend to forget with him. He was really, really good in 2018. 285, 366, 493 slash line, 26 home runs, 93 RBI, 90 runs, and eight steals in 157 games. And that was, you know, not a fluke by any means. You look at the, you know, savant metrics here. That year he had an 89th percentile X Woba, 88th percentile X slug, you know, 92nd percentile barrel rate, 70th percentile sprint speed. Like it was all really good. Like 70 plus percentile in all the hard, you know, hard contact metrics, speed metrics, all et cetera, et cetera. And then in 2019, yeah, the average took a nosedive down to 220, but he was on pace for nearly 40 home runs, nearly, you know, about 85 RBI, but he had 46 runs in 63 games, which is ridiculous for a 314 OBP that he had that year to be on you know, 120 plus run pace. Obviously, it's a little bit fluky, but in this year, looks like he's gonna he might lead off a good amount for the Seattle team. So the run should be high. Yeah, I think the power's back. And 2020 was just a disastrous year for him, you know, including an injury that is very, very painful to even say with that ruptured testicle. So I think, you know, it wasn't like and it, yeah, he had the core back inj- injury too, which looks, you know, that's always a little concerning, but he looks really good this spring training. He's a lead off, you know, good power, a little, little bit of speed. I think the average returns is 2017-2018. He hit 282-285. So I think he's more close to that hitter. So I think he's going to have a really good year, be a top 100 dynasty guy for the next few years uh, until he gets into his mid-30s. And with Frazier, I hate to pump up a Yankee as a Red Sox fan, but he's finally got the opportunity. He's going to start this year. He's going to be in a loaded lineup. The power's there. He had a 393 Woba last year. He's walking a ton. Uh, I don't think the walk rate will stay at 15.6%, but I think he can stay at around 10%. And, you know, the, the Savant metrics don't wow you. They don't jump off the page, but 82nd percentile barrel rate, 82nd percentile X Woba, hard hit 72nd percentile, X velocity 61, you know, sprint speed 68. I think there's a path to 25 to 30 dingers, you know, I think he could push 200 runs in RBI combined. I think he could, or at least like 180 plus there, you know, add in close to double digits, you know, stolen bases with a decent average and a good OBP. The one thing I will say about Frazier, he needs to improve against secondary offerings. Breaking balls and off speed were a problem for him last year. He mashed his fastballs, always smash fastballs, you know, 300 in 2019, 333 in 2020, you know, that's never been an issue. Off speed has, especially, you know, breaking pitches a little bit. Off speed, especially, hit 111 against off speed last year, which are classified as split, change, fork, and screw. But who throws fork ball and screw ball much anymore, anyway? So basically, splitter and change up. And then obviously, breaking pitches are curveball, slider, et cetera. So he needs to improve there and show that he's not just a fastball hitter because that 56.5% rate of fastballs thrown to him is going to drop if he cannot make that improvement. So needs to make those improvements, but I think there's a path there to him being a top 100 dynasty asset for you know next five plus years. He's still very young. Uh, he's only, was he 26, yeah, 26 years old. So like Frazier to break out in a very, very good Yankees lineup here. Yep. I like the pick. I had Clint Frazier on my list as well as a big breakout go. this year. So I'm all on board with that. I had that he would be 
the top Yankees outfielder this season. And I think that that's I like the case. I don't think Judge plays enough, honestly, for him to, <laughs> right. to do that. So, yeah, now that he would surpass Judge in dynasty value, but I think that Frazier could definitely be in for a big season. And that leads to my next guy who I think is going to be in for a big season. That's Jordan Alvarez, who you know, we both love. <laughs> I had him I mean, too. <laughs> he, he's a it's masher. Great. Everybody's concerned about his knees, which, yeah, I mean, it's kind of natural when you're 22 and having double knee replacement. But he's can I, healthy. Can I, say, can I say mine real quick? My my headline I wrote in here: Yoram Alvarez shuts up knee critics, leads MLB in <laughs> home runs. That was my thing. I just want to say that you mentioned the knees. Fantastic. So. Yeah. Yep. I, I think it's a fair argument. I think that you know we've watched what he's done. It's extremely dominant. I mean, 2019 when he came up, just tore it up he had 27 home runs and 313 at bats with a 313 batting average like he's like a better version of peak freddie freeman is what he is like freeman hit for average freeman can hit for decent power but jordan's got 40 home run pop so like he's he's got the stuff to be a first round like if freddie freeman's a first rounder jordan can definitely be a first rounder there's no doubt in my mind that he's capable of that it's just staying healthy and putting it all together a lot of people have soured on him. Everyone's saying sell low, sell low. You know, he's he's always going to have knee problems. But I actually think the knee issues are good that he got them fixed. Like the surgery was a good thing, in my opinion. Yep. It benefits him long term. Right. And so I'm not that concerned. We've seen him running. He's going to play first base or DH. Not a lot of stress on his knees. He'll be all right. He's been back in game action this week. Seen a couple games, a couple hits, hadn't been anything standout, but that's okay. I mean, getting back into game action, not really worried about that. He's got the skill set. There's no denying that. I mean, I just think he gets it done. I think the hit tool's there, the power's elite, and I think that he, like you said, shuts everybody up and just really takes off, and he's a guy that we talk about as a, a top 25 dynasty asset again. I definitely agree. I couldn't say that better. It's we definitely agree on that one. He's already, I think he's already top twenty-five for me. So definitely agree with that. And yeah, I think he, I'd rather have him over Vlad. I know a lot of people would disagree with that, but you look at their profiles. Neither one brings speed, obviously, but the the hit and power, I think, just a little bit more for Yoron. So you know, if I could, if I had Vlad and I can flip him for Yoron, maybe even get a second minor piece thrown in, you know. You know, pick or you know, lower player prospect, you know, whatever it may be, I would definitely be entertaining that because I am all in on on Jordan more so than I am on Vlad. So great one there. My next one is I got I got several more here, but I, I got a nitpick here. <laughs> I'm gonna go Evan White. I'm gonna say by this time next year, Evan White is a top fifteen dynasty first baseman. Last year, you know, in his rookie season, it was not good, right? Everything, you know, every surface stat with Evan White wasn't great. Like, everyone was excited about him. And he got that contract extension, so he was up early. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, Evan White to be one of the late-round steals of the year, and then he puts out a 176, 252, 346 slug and was just whiffing all over the place. He had a 41.6% strikeout rate he whiffed 50 percent of the time against off speed 49 percent of the time against breaking balls and 30.4 percent of the time against fastballs 
had batting average under 200 against all three offerings. You know, it's like there was nothing, <laughs> nothing good there. But you know, I put out a tweet um, not too long ago about players that have uh, had an 80th percentile finish or higher in exit velocity, hard hit rate, barrel rate, and sprint speed. So there's only eight players on that list. And some of the names on there were like Fernando Tatis Jr., Christian Yelich, Ronald Acuna, Mike Trout, Juan Soto. <coughs> Excuse me, you know, like the elite names. And then Evan White obviously was one of them. I think Will Myers is on there too, and Tay Oscar and like Byron Buxton or something like that. But Evan White was on that list. He had 87th, 87th percentile exit velocity, 95th percentile hard hit rate, 85th percentile sprint speed, and a 90th percentile barrel rate. Now, none of those help you whiff less, obviously. So he's got to clean up the whiff rate. But from what I saw from him in the minor leagues, I never saw him live, but it's following him on video and it's following his minor league career. He's never a guy that I thought was going to have these big-time strikeout issues. He always kept the strikeout rate pretty much in check. You know, always walked a good amount of the time as well. You know, walk rate was you know, it was around like eight and a half percent, but strikeout rate was only right around twenty percent for the most part. It's a two ninety six, three sixty one, four seventy one slash in the minor leagues. You know, showed I, there was a time where I called him a poor man's Goldschmidt because he was that first baseman that hit for solid power, solid average, add a little bit of speed too. I I still think that guy is there. I think this year he could be. You know, 20 to 25 home runs, add in, you know, five, six steals or something like that. You know, he's just started running. He didn't really run much. He only attempted three steals last year. But I think he can still add in a handful of steals to go with 20-plus home runs, a solid average, a good OBP. You know, I think he could return to what you saw in 2019 at AA Arkansas, which was a pitcher-friendly park, very pitcher-friendly park, by the way. We had 293, 350, 488 slash, 18 home runs, in 400 plate appearances, even even he had two steals, but I think that's the type of player he can be. Where if he gets to that, you know, to say 275, close to 25 home runs, a handful of steals, I think he's going to be, you know, moving forward. A you know, he won't be an elite first baseman, but I think he can be a solid back end starting first baseman. That you know, at peak, he gets close to top 100 overall dynasty value. So definitely a great buy low time on Evan White. You look at him in redraft leagues, the ADP is super late. And I think it might even be after 400. It's at least after 300. So good time to draft him in redraft leagues. But, you know, obviously here we're talking about dynasty leagues. Great time to buy low because his value might never be lower than it is right now. What's your next one, Chris? All right, another one that I really hate and it pains me. But I'm going to say that Luis Robert is not a top 50 dynasty asset Ooh. this season. Ooh. He is, I think, going to be the epitome of a streaky player is what I really think he's going to be. We saw him last season. I mean, he was scorching hot to start the year, and then he finished very poorly. He over – right, so September 4th on last year, 81 plate appearances. He hit 145, 250 OBP, 145 slug. (laughs) He struck out 36% of the time. That's nitpicking a small sample. That's half the season. And we saw what a slump he was in. And last year – we talk about how bad Mondesi and Hura's plate approach is, and Luis Robert was worse. He had a 22.1 swinging strike percent rate. It's really bad. You look at his contact rates, they're not any better. I mean, 
his contact rates were worse than Mondesi's. Overall contact rate, 61%. He's got a lot of power. I mean, you look at his max exit velocity, and you see that, yes, there, there's a lot of raw power, I would say. Like, I think that's what you see when you look at max exit velocity. But his a- average exit velocity wasn't good last year. He only averaged 87.9 miles an hour on it, which was 34th percentile. His whiff rate, worst in baseball. Strikeout rate was one of the worst in baseball. Hard hit rate was only above, right above 50%. So it wasn't really that great. And I think, honestly, he got a little hyped after that strong minor league season. But I think it's important that we do look at the fact that in AAA, Charlotte is a launching pad. That's like the equivalent of course field in AAA. And he hit 16 home runs in 244 plate appearances there in 2019. And I think that the power is just not really there. I, I, I think he's got some power. There's no doubt by his max exit velocity. So hear me say that. I think he's more of a, a 25 home run hitter. And he's got elite speed. I mean, sprint speed, one of the best in baseball. Is like He can steal bags. There's no doubt. The White Sox just don't run that much, which is slightly concerning. And where does he hit in the order? That's a, a stacked or, a lineup from top to bottom. And so I think a lot hinges on where he hits is how many bases he steals. But in reality, it's possible that he hits sixth or seventh. I mean, Adam Eaton's been hitting towards the top. You're going to have Tim Anderson at the top lineup. Yes, Monty Grandal, Jose Abreu, Yohan Moncada. So like even Eloy, like where does Robert fit in there? And I, I just think he struggles to hit for average. Like the tools are loud, but I don't think the hit tool is quite there. And I think that he struggles a little bit. I think you're going to have hot streaks with him where he gets really hot and goes on a tear like he did in the first month of the season last year. And then he's going to go through cold stretches where he really struggles. But until I see the hit tool more consistent, I'm really struggling to believe that he's a top 15, top 10 dynasty asset. And yes, like peak, peak for him is like, like Tatis good, Acuna good. Like the talent level's there with the tools that he has. The hit tool's got to get there, and I don't think it's there right now. So I'm going to say that he struggles a little bit this year, and he falls out of the. You know, maybe, maybe I won't say he falls out of the top 50 because we've seen Vlad struggle, and Vlad still stays pretty high in dynasty list. But I do think there's some struggles here, and may not be as great as advertised. So this is basically Glasnow in reverse. <laughs> so this is because I had Robert on here. I I didn't know how I wanted to word it. But he's already a top 20 dynasty asset in my in my ranking. So it wasn't like I'd be like, always oh, up be top five. It's like Super Bowl. But what I wrote down here was I wasn't sure if I was going to bring Robert up. I had a bunch here just in case. But I, what I put was that he'd combined for more home runs and steals this year than Ronald Acuna. But he's one, like, like I think you agree, like that could happen. Yeah. There's a 100%. path to that happening. It's that approach, man. And you look at spring training. And with spring training, like you mentioned, something that I look for in spring training is if trends from the previous year are carrying over, mostly with plate approach. And with Robert, so far, 11 games, 34 bats, one walk, 10 strikeouts. So, unfortunately, it looks like that has carried over. You heard some good things this offseason. You know, everyone is on his own team raves about him. Who is it on the White Sox to call him the next Mike Trout? Was that a Brayu? I think it was. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you got to pump up your own teammates, but that's, you know, lofty. Like, even when you pump your teammates up, you usually don't go like, oh, he's next Mike Trout. Like, usually you didn't even go that high. So 
I don't know. He's one of those guys where if the if the approach improves and he can just get to like 260, I think he could be 30-30 for the next handful of years. If that much power, that much speed, one of the best athletes in baseball, period. I love Luis Robert, but yeah, there's definitely that potential. What you said, I definitely could see happening. Um, him kind of still having these issues. And like you mentioned, and I hate to me- mention it too, is that his plate approach is very similar to Adam Pomondesi, who everyone knows I I'm not sure I shit on very <laughs> all the time. So, you know, I, I gotta, you know, do the same thing with Robert. That's gotta improve. There's no doubt about it. Has to improve, but it'll be very interesting to see how that how he looks this year with that approach because could be very one way or the other with Luis Robert. Anyway, my last prediction here, and I'm gonna cheat a little bit because we did say we were saving prospects for next week, but this prospect is gonna debut like very, very soon. So I'm gonna cheat a little bit and use this one. I think it fits. Jared Kelnick gives the Mariners a middle finger, gives them the old DX crotch chop, goes 2020 this year and is a top 10 dynasty asset by the end by the end of this year. Top 10. So he's gonna be ahead of like Trevor Story. He's gonna be right up in that Jose Ramirez, Trey Turner, Shane Bieber, Bo Bichette range. Because you already seen like we were in the, the tool shed Patreon dynasty league that we were in the middle of the startup draft. Koenig just went 17. And yeah, that particular p- person has been going very prospect heavy. Like that he went Wander Franco at 12 for perspective. And you see a lot of Kelnick in the twenties and thirties, but I think, you know, if you have a startup dr- draft next year, you got to take a top 10 pick on this guy. He recently said that he wants to steal even more this year. His goal is 30 steals this year. Whether that's in some, you know, combined in AAA in the majors or just at the major league level, we'll see. I actually think he's going to be up early. Can't rave enough about this kid. Everything, like he has that, what's the word I want to look for? That drive. Like what, you know, the whole service time fiasco that went, ha- went on last month. I think that's put a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And I like that. I like a player with a chip on the shoulder, not to switch sports here, but. Tom Brady has always had that chip on his shoulder. Like just finding Michael Jordan was that type of way. I'm not comparing Kalnick to Tom Brady and Michael Jordan before anybody goes there, but they had always for finding ways that like the bulletin board material, as you know, some people call it, is something that you can have that chip on your shoulder that just drives you to new heights. I think Kalnick's like that type of player, very driven and obviously uber, uber talented. Power, speed, hit tools, all there. I think he's gonna be one one of these guys. I hate to say it because you know it's it's hard to not to go overboard on these types of prospects. And we always say that Tatis and Acuna and Soto are the exception to the rule, not the what should be expected. I think he's going to be one of those exceptions, and he's just going to hit the ground running, go twenty twenty this year, hit you know two eighty plus, and that's gonna be enough to be like, all right, this guy is a top ten dynasty asset now. So he'll be 20, you know, 22 years old, 21, 22 years old, already doing that in the major league level. So he's going to be a fancy first rounder next year. Book it right now. You heard it here first. That's going to wrap us up, though. This was a lot of fun. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode and that it was beneficial to you in your dynasty leagues, even though it's more of a hot take episode. But hopefully, you know, maybe you sell some of these players, buy some of these players we're talking about. Hopefully it works out for you. Again, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Aircross04, Chris is at Roto Clegg, and our show at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work exclusively over at FantraxHQ.com. 
We will be back with you all again next week with more Dynasty and Prospect talk. But until then, everyone take care.